0: Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. This is Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events in
1: the world of golf. My name is Neil Tappin and I'm lucky enough to be joined by Jeremy Elwood this week. Jez, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm just um, just in the middle of a busy spell, but lots going on, so it's all good. We do. And in fact, uh, explain to everyone where we are. Uh, we're in a, um, a, what was it, office? I don't know. It's, no. it's a, <laughs> it's, uh, we're in Foresight um, Sports HQ uh, in Guildford, in Surrey. Uh, and we've been hitting some balls on the simulator which they have had to set up um, for Royal Troon indeed. complete with
0: grandstands indeed and it's going to form part of the content that we're doing online about previewing the Open Championship mm. and actually Jez we we will get on to talking about Troon but not in this podcast folks you're going to have to wait until next week to find out Jez's pearls of wisdom because he actually went up to Troon just three weeks ago to play the golf just don't say anything about it you'll have to listen next week my lips are sealed Um, this week we are going to focus on some of the newsworthy things that have been happening in golf of late because um, even though we've had the big um, Brexit vote and we've had um, England going out of the um, European Championships there's also been quite a lot going on in the world of golf (laughs) Um, we've got... um, Players pulling out of the Olympics left, right and centre. We have Monty qualified for the Open yesterday, great news there. Um, we have the, another vote on uh, whether female members should be allowed at Muirfield. We have Donald Trump uh, returning to, to Turnbury And we also have um, a little bit of a US Open rules, um, I think yeah. it's fair to say. It was a debacle. Yeah. So, Jezza, should we start with the Olympics? Yes, let's do that. Um,
1: is, it still, is it still running?
0: <laughs> well... It's Me and you must have
1: a chance. No, I think the England team's okay, isn't it? Sorry,
0: that was my chair. Uh, <laughs>
1: the England team's okay, I think.
0: The England team of Danny Willett and Justin Rose look like they're committed. What, so okay, so this, we've had Jason Day. Uh, Rory's pulled out. Um, for the likes of Graham McDowell, Louis Ousthazen, Adam Scott, Shane Lowry, There's VJ. Vijay. The, the the names who who ruled themselves out of Olympic um, selection. You know, they are big names, and there are more and more of them, including. This week, Jordan Spieth, I believe, is putting his not hasn't ruled out, but is seriously considering it.
1: Well, I think he's considering it. He's not a, few, a couple of weeks ago, he was more or less saying he was he was definitely in, uh, and now I'm I'm thinking it's not quite so certain about that. But I guess once once they start going, other people are starting to think. Well, hang about. Why has he decided to go?
0: So, okay, cynical question. Yes, right. But here it comes. Do you think the decision is being based? 100% on the Zika virus or do you think there are other factors at play that might be causing some of the players to reconsider their, their position in the Olympics?
1: Um, I think it's a bit of both actually I think it's a bit of both. Go on. Uh, Well I think the Zika virus which I don't know a lot about is obviously of significant concern to, to young men that age who are in the, the child producing years of their lives um, given that it can seem to have quite a Damaging effect on the unborn child, can't it? Of course, yeah. Um, however, and so it is a concern. It, it is, concern. it is a concern. But you know, there are hundreds of other athletes in all other sports who are going to the Olympics. So, so why is it I'm the way. golfers who are pulling out? I don't know. Has anyone pulled out in another sport yet? I'm not sure. But um, I think uh, you know, I think the congested schedule at the Olympics has generated this year, especially as it is also a Ryder Cup year has made it all a little bit condensed in that uh, June, July, August part of the season. And some of them are, you know, I think Rory said to me the other day, I have four Olympics a year already. I don't, almost, I don't need another one, which is a shame because I think having, having worked hard to get the golf back in the Olympics after 112 years or whatever Indeed, it was, yeah. it seems to be um, all going a bit wrong, really.
0: It is, a, it is an awful shame, but it just goes to show that golf is a, a, a tricky sport, isn't it? And the scheduling is hard. It's hard at the best of times because the top players know they can only play a certain number of tournaments in a row. Yeah. You throw the Olympics in amongst the Open, the USPGA, the Ryder Cup, the FedEx Cup, and it all starts to get a little bit much, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it seems so. I mean, I think they tried to follow the role model of tennis, didn't they? which seems to have worked quite successfully in the Olympics and got good support from the top players. So I think they kind of were hoping that golf would be the same. And um, maybe without the Zika virus, it would have been. We, we're never going to know that, are we?
0: And do you think a gold medal in golf at the Olympics without the likes of uh, Rory and Adam Scott and if Jordan Speeth were to not turn up, would it devalue a gold medal, do you think, in those countries? It, 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 let's say it uh, gets won by Ireland.
1: Will a gold medal in golf mean any less to the people of Ireland? Um, I think it does devalue it a little bit, to be honest, because it's the pinnacle of sport, isn't it? For all other, all other sports, maybe not football or something like that, but a lot of other sports, it's the pinnacle. And if the top guys aren't there, you know, you can't imagine the top guys at hundred metres not turning up for the Olympics, can you? No. And with the majors, you know, the only reason a top player would miss a major would be generally because of injury, injury. or occasionally an American that doesn't like links golf.
0: Or some extraordinary circumstances that might yeah. be happening. In-
1: yeah, so for you know, 10 of the best players in the world, whatever it is now, to say we're, we're not going, it does devalue it, I think.
0: Um, OK, well, we're now going to hear a little bit of audio from this week's um, press conference at the French Open. So uh, our man on the ground, Nick, Ma- Nick Bonfield, who I'm sure you'll uh, know from a previous podcast, was at the French Open this week. And he's... Um, he's recorded Rory's press conference because he spoke quite a lot about the Olympics. He's talking about some other stuff as well, so uh, let's hear what Rory has to say.
1: Shane's become the latest in what's becoming quite a long line to pull out now of Rio. Players have said it's for Zika, players have said it's for scheduling reasons, Graham's obviously got other reasons. It, does it beg the question, should golf even be at the Olympics? Uh,
2: I think, you know, that's not for me to say, you know, that you know I wasn't, I wasn't a part of the process. Um, you know the, the RNA and, and some of the other um, bodies that run our sport uh, you thought it was a great idea and obviously it is I mean to, to try and um, get golf into different markets and you know the Olympics is, is obviously a great a great platform to do that. Um, so I don't know I know I, you know, I, I'm, you know I, I've said to people I have four Olympics game, four Olympic Games a year. You know that, that's there. That's my you know that's my pinnacle. That's what I play for. That's what I'll be remembered for.
1: Um, just following on from that, is it do you think it's at all embarrassing for the game that so many top players have pulled out and that other athletes? I don't think them?
2: it's embarrassing for the game because most other athletes dream their whole lives of competing in the Olympics, winning an Olympic gold, um, and we haven't. We haven't. We, we we dream of winning Clark Jugs and winning Green Jackets, and whether that makes golf look insular in any way, um, but it's the it's it's just the way it is. So um, in a way, it, I think with all the negative press that, that um, the game has received over the past sort of week or so since um, since this all came out, uh, I don't think it'll have any long-lasting effect, but. It's been, a, it's been a bit of a difficult time for for golf um, over the past sort of ten days. And we haven't seen you since the U.S. So Open. Could you just assess, you know, what,
1: what what went on there? Was that the most disappointing halfway cut you've missed? No,
2: nearfield um, in thirteen was still the most disappointing. You know, that was you know, that was the lowest point I've ever been at uh, in my professional career. That um, obviously it was disappointing. But uh, at the same time, sometimes you need these setbacks to. To reassess things and and think about what you need to do to move forward. um, I've worked with uh,
1: Michael a lot last week, and working on a few things. A couple of bad habits have crept into
2: my game, and I've been working hard on those and and sort of trying to bend them. uh, We sort of started um, Friday. Was it Friday afternoon at the U.S. Open? We had a good range session there. Sort of talked about a few things, and um, I'm not one to try and tinker with things. Throughout the tournament, especially a major, but um, I sort of had no choice. I needed to, to try and do something. So we've continued on that road and, and, and tried to, to put things right, and it's, it's still a work in progress, but um, you know, it, it might have been a blessing in disguise just because I, I, I need to work on a few things, and um, as I said, I've fallen into a few bad habits, but I'm, I'm gradually trying to get myself out of it.
1: So... Rory, um, obviously there is no vaccine for Zika. What you did say to us a few weeks ago, you've had your j- other jabs, etc. Um, So what, was, what tipped, you, tipped you to pulling out? And secondly, if I could also ask, obviously none of the top women golfers have said they're not going yet. So is there any re- why the disparity between women uh, and men? I, I guess
2: some of the top women golfers mightn't have plans to have children in the next six months to a year, where that, that's maybe different with some of the men. You know, you've got Shane, who's just got married. Uh, Jason Day's got a young family. You know, I'm getting married in um, next year, so uh, I think you can't really compare apples to apples because you know we're just in a different position than they are. Um, you know, I'd say 90% of the athletes going to the Olympics are are single and have no plans to start a family in in the near future. Where you know, there's some golfers that. That that have you know that, that, that are in that position or in that scenario, just as, um, for example, I was speaking with Father Carrington about it last night. You know, he's he's not you know he's he's not planning on having any more children. That that's sort of over for him. So there's 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 no risk of um, of him putting Caroline at, at risk or, or you know his future children at risk going forward. Where I think there's there's just some doubt about. Um, if you do, I know it's very low risk. But even if you do contract it down there, you know you, you just you don't want to take any risks when it comes to that stuff. So
1: just to, so what was the,
2: the tip? As after
1: you've had uh, your jabs know, you know, for me it
2: was I, I didn't want to disappoint people. I didn't want to you know I I didn't want to disappoint Paul McGinley, who I've become very close with, and that was probably one of the toughest phone calls I had to make because you know we've talked about it so much and we've done so much. Um, <coughs> Work, you know, put work into it. Got accommodation. Got um, security down there. Got a chef in. Got everything. We got everything planned out. Um, I, I said I got my jobs. I had two dead shoulders for what four days. Um, but then at the end of the day, I was just like, if, if I'm just not a hundred percent comfortable coming going down there, I I, yeah, I just don't want to take the risk. You know, there's another Olympic Games in Tokyo in 2020, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm you know, more than happy to wait until then to to get that Olympic
1: experience then. when we talk about the Olympics and children, did you see that open letter that was published from the Children's Hospital in Rio? Yeah. I was wondering what the reaction to that was and how
2: how do you respond to that? I mean for me, I mean I feel like I do enough for charity. I think you all know that I do enough yeah. for charity and I'm not you know, I, I I focus on causes that are close to home and I know it's a huge concern down there and, and they're trying to protect mothers and their and their children. Um, and like, if, if you know, I had have been down there or things had have been different, like, yeah, of course I would have tried to go and visit the hospital and, and, and try to raise awareness. But, um, you know, maybe another time. Can you get back to them in your own time, so formally, like, just Yeah, I mean, I'll write a letter back to them if they're, you know, you know show them the, the decency and the courtesy yeah. to, to write a letter back and, um, I guess, explain my concerns yeah. and, and why I'm working down there.
0: Hey, that was Rory um, talking about um, various different things, but um, interestingly about his decision to pull out of the Olympics, which I can completely see his his point of view, and so I don't think we're in a position to really criticise anybody for, for doing that. Um, but let's move on, mm-hmm. and let's talk about some cheerier news, Jez. Cheerier um, news? Yes, there is some cheery news. What? Cheerier <laughs> news? <laughs> what on earth could you be talking about? Yes. Well, this week, well, depends if you're a fan of Monty or not, but Monty uh, qualified well, for yes. the Open Championship at Royal Troon. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, Number one, great to see a top player like Monty, or uh, yeah, top player maybe a, sort of an earlier era, mm. um, still attempting to qualify for the Open. It's great to see. Um, and secondly, fantastic to see him do it. What were your thoughts on that? So he played at Glasgow Gales, I believe. Yeah,
1: Gales Links. I, I was, um, I was sort of, I think I was out and about somewhere on the final qualifying day, and I was sort of following it and uh, saw Monty's name and face pop up on various feeds and. Um, you know, good on him for coming over and having a go. Um, obviously, he's coming
0: happy. over, surely it's where he lives.
1: Does he not base himself mostly in the states now? Oh, I don't. don't oh, Sorry, no, I'm, ba- I'm basing it on the fact that he's, uh, you know, he's a champion tour player. So I imagine he spends a considerable chunk of time out in but, the states. But
0: it's worth saying that Troon is his home. His father was well, the secretary at Troon
1: If he was going to play one final open, which it may or may not be his final open as a senior, he would want it to be at Trune because of the family connection.
0: And um does it show how good a player Monty is that he's still able to qualify for the open, or is it just that experience, that, that bit of nouse that, that kinda of gets you through, do you think?
1: I think it's a bit of both because um despite growing up on a Lynx, Monty's not had the best record, has he, on, on Lynx courses? No. Over no. the years. So I think he Second uh, at the open at St Andrews. St Andrews, but I think if any course was gonna give him the freedom to play a bit more, it's probably St Andrews. Um so he's not got a great um, great Open record despite that upbringing, um, but he really wanted to do it. Obviously, it's probably the last time within his competitive lifespan that the Open's going to be at Trune, so I'm sure he was really fired up for it on that basis. And at 53 or 4 or whatever he is, still able to cut it with the 20-year-olds or whatever.
0: And as this will be the first Open without... Uh, live coverage being um, being provided by the BBC mm. it's going to be on Sky Sports monty's obviously a sky sports commentator so um, i'm sure they've got some really good plans with things to do with monty during that week so it's um, i'm sure there'd be lots of people out there listening to it We'd be quite pleased that monty's not in the commentary box for this well that's quite open possibly true but if he has played it uh, played the golf course let's say he misses the cup returns to the commentary box for the weekend that's going to add a little bit of something for the weekend no
1: it's going to add a little bit of Monty talking about how he played over the first two days. <laughs> I think so. No, seriously, um, uh, he—I I don't think the RNA will allow him to be mic'd up out on the course. I no, I wouldn't have thought so. Don't think so. we're going to go that far. But um, good on him. I mean, he's, he's uh, been a successful campaigner for I don't know what, twenty-five years now. So. Good to see him having one last throw of the dice probably at the Open Championship.
0: Yeah, well, I mean we wouldn't expect him to. It's going to be so long and if it is windy then you know that lack of length is going to, is going to hurt you, isn't it? But experience Mon- goes a long way, doesn't it?
1: Monty will be praying for uh, the non-prevailing wind that week right. so that uh, when he comes back towards the clubhouse as the round goes on he's not fighting the wind.
0: Because he won't be able to get up on a lot of the path fours. I would
1: imagine not. I mean I don't know how long or short Monty is these days. He always hit a bit left to right, didn't he? So... That's not the best shot shape into a strong wind, is it? But um, good <laughs> okay. luck to him anyway. Good luck, Monty. Well, we should see what happens now.
0: Yeah. Uh, the next topic to talk about, Jez, is um, the vote for the the members at Muirfield. So yeah. So they've obviously voted not to have female members at Muirfield. But a press release came out earlier this week, end of last week, saying uh, actually the members were going to have another vote. It looks like
1: by the end forces of
0: the year. are by the end of the way for, forces are at work to try and get that sorted out.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I did read a little bit of the uh, the story about it and the captain there was saying that um, the events of the recent vote had not cast the club in a very good light. Oh, I think funny is, that. I think it's a very fair comment. <laughs> um, but quite how they didn't realise that before, but I guess if it's an f- open vote to their membership and they run the risk of, you know, just as with the vote we've just had, where no one really thought that we would leave, um, and it seems like we are.
0: Do- question for you Jez and I think this is the thing that's sort of come out over the last few days does do the members at Muirfield and does Muirfield as a golf club have a responsibility to the game of golf as a whole or or should they be treated like a private entity who frankly what they they do doesn't matter or should they take that responsibility on
1: I think they can have it either way and most people would say their stance is now outdated and wrong but they can have it either way um But if they're going to have it the way they've gone, then they really can't expect the oldest major championship in in golf to to be played there anymore. And I know some people have said, well, look, the R&A were only um, only moved from their single-sex policy two or three years ago. It was a bit rich, them calling out Muirfield on it. But things move on. The R&A are kind of saying, we're going this way now, so you either come with us or we don't come to you
0: it it, you know as all of us and i'm sure everybody listening to this you know we're all golfers we all love the game um i remember when the original um result of the vote came in i was watching the news at home with my wife and she looked at it she was listening to it she was laughing and she was saying you know golf really is a game that has stuck in the past and um, you know you 've got no defense as a, as a golfer, you sit there you watch it and you think well that doesn't reflect me it doesn't reflect who I am and yet yeah. it's casting this sort of shadow over all of us, everybody that plays golf because golf does have this reputation and this history within within society that says that that's the sort of people that play golf and it's difficult isn't it
1: It is difficult, and the game does have this knack of shooting itself in in the foot and at a time at the moment when it really needs just the opposite, it needs things like you know this girl golfs and all those positive projects to try and get more people interested in and playing the game but not, not for
0: people to feel like there's a barrier to entry. no
1: for people to say well blimey look golf is still not allowing women to get involved um it's not for me there's plenty of other sports that are far more open-minded than that then it reflects badly on you know one high profile case like Muirfield reflects badly on the the whole game of golf to people who are not within the fold who aren't within the fold and you yeah. look at
0: golf as being this this game that you're either a golfer or you're not and there's not really much uh, well that's it you know we're all tarred
1: area. with the same brush almost yeah
0: yeah well i mean i for one don't mind saying i hope they um i hope they make the right decision i think it's a simple case of making the right or the wrong decision i hope they make the right one hmm. um, but we should keep um we, we should keep our eyes on it because if they don't vote to have with the female members there um it'll be another shockwave sent through <laughs> through the game of golf
1: well how many referenda or is it referendums or referen- <laughs> we I think should referend- know <laughs> can you have you know do they keep having the vote until they get the decision they want I yes don't
0: know. well let's go from one controversial subject to another Right. okay um, so the day that um or the day after britain voted to leave the european union donald trump made a return to the uk and um was seen at, at trump uh turnbury uh, trump, uh, t- trump <laughs> at turnbury yeah uh, the golf course that, on the open road that he recently bought a you Tell us why he was there, firstly, because it, he was there for a golfing reason.
1: He was there for a golfing reason because uh, I, I went up there about three or four weeks ago for the the official sort of first playing of the new the redesigned links. And I think this was the official opening of the resort as a whole because um, the hotel wasn't quite ready for, for our trip, um, and I believe it is now. So he was um, cutting into his slightly busy schedule over in the States to come and see the, the, the fruition of... Project to really uh, ramp things up at Turnbury.
0: And tell us about the changes. The course, yes, I'll tell you about the, the course the changes course, are
1: yeah. spectacular. You know, whatever you think of the man, and I'm sure many of you don't like the man, his politics, his outspokenness, his brashness, um, whatever you think of all of that, the golf course is without doubt exceptional now. It is just so, incredible. So, why was it,
0: has so, always been in the top. Two or yeah. three of our list of top golf courses in the UK wasn't it exceptional before?
1: Well, I, you know, it, it was. It's uh, two or three in our rankings, two, three or four. Some are up there, so already regarded as one of the best. And part of you is thinking, well, on that basis, you know, why are you why are you meddling with it? You know, what can you do? But he had he and Martin Ebert of the the design team um, really wanted to optimize the shoreline holes because they felt that although the holes did play close to the shore, they weren't really maximising the potential of them. So they've redesigned a whole series of holes uh, along the the shore, Uh, and now that the one up by the lighthouse is an incredible par 3, rather than a fairly mediocre par 4 as it was before. Uh, And then the hole after that uh, now really hugs the shore, and the green's been pushed back the 10th, and off the back tee you're having to hit it basically over a whole load of rocks and Okay. Sea water and yeah. what have you to make the fairway so into the wind that could be very interesting. Right? Yeah, but um, but there are other holes, less famous holes that have really been improved as well. The first was always quite a, a straightforward, dare I say, bland opening yeah. hole, and now that's been lengthened and the green pushed around to the right, and all the bunkering has been given. Well, not all of the bunkering, a lot of the bunkering has been given this rough edge look that is in vogue at the moment, and I think looks really nice and it's just, uh, it's, it's elevated it to a, to a new level. Has it? Mm.
0: Interesting. Well, if Muirfield has been uh, left off the open rotor, Turnbury's certainly been given a, a watching brief because mm. of um, the, uh, the sort of antics of its owner, um, and it's one we will watch very closely, but Jez, just a quick word on what a shame it would be if Turnbury whatever reason we're not talking about the politics here yeah but as a golf course as a pure, pure golfing test weren't to be on wasn't to be on the open rotor
1: it would be a big shame because some of the open rotor courses aren't blessed with the greatest visuals are they they're they're yes. good golf courses they're stout tests but they don't say come and play me this they is a don't. fantastic and place then to you, be you go and have the open at turnbury and the, the camera spends half its time panning out across across the sea there with elsa craig yeah Asa Craig, Craig, Asa Craig sorry, <laughs> and uh, the Isle of Arran beyond and um, it's just far and away the prettiest course on the open rotor. Ooh, yeah. whether that's reason you know you, you can't say that that's reason to go against whatever happens from um, a political side but uh, it would be a real shame to, to lose it because the, the open does need that thing of great beauty once every nine or ten years
0: it does it does okay well that leads us on to our final talk, talking point this week uh, as I mentioned before, it would be remiss for us to do a podcast without talking about what happened to Justin Johnson at the US Open. I appreciate now that it's a couple of weeks ago, but it's still lingering amongst people's conversation at the moment. Certainly, I've played golf with a few people recently where it's been a topic uh, that we've discussed. Jez, you've been A, very close to the rules for the mm. last few years through, through work, and B, close to those who actually make the rules at the R&A. Um, firstly, tell us about why the rule. Um, relating to the ball moving on the green was changed? What was It was recently changed, yeah. and why was it changed?
1: It was changed uh, largely in response to an incident with Podrick Harrington in the Masters a few years ago, I can't remember how many years ago, where uh, his ball moved on the green after he'd addressed it. But it was a windy day, I think. Yeah. But because he'd addressed it, tough, you know, you've caused it to move. And they wanted to get away from that on really fast greens, which... The masters and obviously the US, US Open, open. sometimes the open as well windy as well you know, where the winds thrown into the equation um, the ball moves um, just on the wind alone but if you'd address the ball you'd be deemed to have caused it to move even if it was the wind that was the, the, the primary thinking between, behind changing that rule so that even if you've addressed it now and it could be proved that it wasn't you that caused it to move you wouldn't be penalized
0: okay so so <coughs> question then specifically relating to the rule who is who on whose shoulders does the burden of proof need to sit
1: is uh, well, it the, this t- an the people at home watching tv for the top players or is it the player them- themselves um, well i think it's it's a combination isn't it i'm not a big fan of trial by armchair or whatever they call it <laughs>
0: trial by armchair, sounds like a good way <laughs> of
1: doing yeah it. Um, because you know slow motion cameras and real close ups not surprisingly see a whole lot more than you do um, from your position perched above the ball and um, you haven't got the benefit of that r- slow motion replay to see did it move a mi- and the whole thing really you know the ball moves a millimetre. On greens that on are greens so fast. You know, I can understand if you're in the rough and you've put the club down behind it and the ball then rolls you've caused it to move but on greens that are like billiard tables. Yes. Parquet you've throwing. got to cut people <laughs> got to cut people <laughs> a, a little bit of slack I think.
0: Um, did he cause it to move? That's, that, ultimately, that's the question. What I've
1: looked think? at it and uh, kind of, if he's been a judge to cause that to move, then the revision to the rule is utterly pointless.
0: See, I would agree. I've played golf all of my life and he didn't think he'd moved it. Lee Westwood didn't think he moved it. I've watched now that replay so many times. I don't think he moved it. What on earth were they doing, um, calling a, a penalty? And why didn't they deal with it? Why did they wait?
1: If they they obviously
0: knew they were going to penalise him because he obviously said to them, I didn't touch it. So they knew that they were going to
1: penalise him. Why did they wait? I can't give you the answer to that. It just created a, a I mean I wasn't watching it, I was away somewhere and uh, I was just following Twitter feeds and seeing people saying this is a absolute shambles now, a complete farce, nobody knows who's winning yeah. and, and all that and it just you know, kind of took the, took the edge off the whole tournament really. And, and
0: Interesting to see so many top players coming out and being so ferocious in their uh, criticism of the USGA. I mean, Rory, Jordan Spieth—they didn't mix their words, did they?
1: They didn't. And I was uh, um, doing some some video work with another top top name earlier this week, and he was saying, the Who's US, that? It was. Uh, do, do we not want to say? Well, I don't know. It was <laughs> it was, uh, it, was uh, it was Paul Laurie and he was saying that it, it was a bit out of control the whole US Open thing, and. He wouldn't. He wouldn't play in the qualifying for the U.S. Open now because he, he doesn't want to put himself through what they, how they set the course up for people these days. Yeah. You know, not these days, but how they are increasingly trying to push it to the very edge for, for what reason? Nobody really knows what reason. But,
0: uh, okay. Quick question then: If they're pushing the golf course to the limits of what's fair, is there such a thing as a, a as a fair golf course? If it's the same for everybody, then ultimately that's the test of how fair it is.
1: I suppose so, but you want it to be a spectacle as well. I True. mean, I, I followed I followed the the scoring and I was watching Lee Westwood, who yet again was in with a shout of a, a first major going into Sunday, and it just went bogey, double, bogey, 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 bogey. But I mean, do people really want to watch that? And I didn't see it, but um, you know, some of those holes he wasn't really doing a lot wrong. No, no, it wasn't. Uh, no, it didn't. It, and yet, the scorecard you know, would not make you think that he played awfully. Didn't. He's nine over after nine or something. Yeah, right? he's gone from having a chance to win the tournament to probably not really caring what happens on the back line. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I think it. I think it's quite captivating in its own way. You certainly wouldn't want mo- more than one tournament. I wouldn't want to see one more, more than one tournament a year set up like that. Um, one good thing, I, I think, that came out of it was the USGA uh, apologising. Um, I think it was last week, came out with a press release apologising for what had happened at the US Open. And it's very rare that one of the big ruling bodies makes a mistake and then kind of understands they've made a mistake and from what i know of mike davis the guy that runs the the, the, the tournament at the usga he's a he's a good he's been held in high regard and um i don't, who knows what happened i think it was probably a blip in the history books of golf um, possibly. but at the end of the day the right man won
1: the right man did win on this occasion um and thankfully by the time they did elect to penalise him. He was so far clear that he didn't, he didn't <laughs> it didn't really, really he didn't. matter. <laughs> but um, you know, if there was only one shot in it coming down the last, and he still doesn't really know what's going to happen. It's yeah. not really fair. I mean, he went through it all before, didn't he? At um, at um, Whistling Straits, Whistling Straits, yeah, yes, and yes, he, he was wrong. He would grounded his club in a bunker, a bunker about the size of a manhole cover or something. But, yeah, I mean, uh, and that one, I don't think he really knew, did he? Until until he. No, no. It
0: happened on the eighteenth. Happened halfway yeah. up the eighteenth. So um, that was more his fault. They were deemed to be hazards, deemed to be bunkers. Oh, there's no, no
1: denying that was his fault. But you know, he, he's had a lot of. Um,
0: oh, unlucky, still. I um, think,
1: yeah, unlucky. He's had a lot of misfortune or self-inflicted, occasionally misfortune in uh, majors. Yeah, could have won. Them. I don't think he's had a shout at the Masters yet, has he? Really? No. All of the others, he could have won once or twice, and. Um, He'd drawn a blank until, until now.
0: Well, um, I think it means it's sort of it's a new dawn for him. With one major under his belt, he, he he seems to contend pretty much every time the majors are played. So. The the world is his oyster. Um, Okay, well, that that brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. Um, We've covered some fairly meaty topics in there. Next week, we're going to take a a look at the Open Championship. We're going to get Jez's thoughts on the golf course. We're also going to have a a bit of a quiz. So uh, please listen out for that. Uh, But in the meantime, it's goodbye.
1: Goodbye.